Hey everybody, welcome to a nicely attended episode of Miami Total Football Radio, the show. I don't know, I'm still working on the name. Franco Panizo, Jose Armando, Andrea Yanis, and Simon Evans all here in attendance. And if you want to hear the nicknames, then we'll go uh, Cinco slash Island Jose, <laughs> Ajisita, and not sure yet on Simon's nickname. I mean, maybe Sandwich Simon. I saw someone mention that the other day, and there's an inside joke behind that, but uh, we're still working on Simon's. But how are you guys doing? It's been, what, less than 24 hours since Inter-Miami played Orlando City in the round of 32 of the Leagues Cup. And, well, Inter-Miami came out with another victory, a 3-1 to one win. So how are you guys doing? I'm sure you guys did not get a whole lot of sleep, especially you two. Yeah, it, it was a long drive. It was a long, long drive. And, you know, I don't know if you guys go south, but if you go south, it seems like it's a nightmare. I mean, just going through 95 and then Palmetto, almost half the time closed, two lanes closed, and then three blocked. There's no way to go through. So long drive, but I think the adrenaline, you know, makes us get home and relax a little bit and, and reflect because I think it's it's really time to reflect with Inter-Miami. Three games that I just didn't see coming. Simon, how was the rest of your, what was this, Wednesday night, Thursday morning? I mean, I didn't go to sleep. <laughs> So pretty late for soccer reasons and for some non-soccer reasons. But anyway. Yeah, no, it was good. I mean, yeah, I have the same kind of issues on the 95. It seems there's always uh, the time the road works uh, or the car accidents for uh, after into Miami games. But um, yeah, I got back home. It was it was all good. I'm, I'm doing this uh, kind of fitness challenge at the moment. So I had to get in a 45 minute uh walk when i got home so that was uh, time to collect your thoughts you know what i mean just go out on the streets and uh, walk around the quiet streets of hallandale listening to a podcast so wait a minute what time was that uh, that what time was, was like it? uh i went out about 1 30. oh my god will yeah power. yeah yeah so it's it's one of those things that if you fail you go back to day one you know so I'm 30, 38 days into this program, so I wasn't going back to day one because of a rain delay into Miami. Very nice. Yeah, because we, we, we got out of the stadium pretty late. Jose, Andrea, I don't know what time you guys left. Andrea came in the pink today. Look, there, in the Inter-Miami Fest spirit. How are you doing, Andrea? Hi, guys. Nice to be here. I We had the same experience. I think you guys left before us. They actually had to remove Jose and <laughs> I from the stadium until we had to leave with a couple of <laughs> colleagues of us, Matias from the Miami Herald, Tapia from the Arielas Americas, and uh, we had to be removed because it was already so late and they kicked us out. The stadium was and, closed. And what, time, what time did they close the stadium last night? Like at one in the morning, I guess one twenty, yeah, something, something like, that. like that. Yeah, yeah, because so, DraftKings Stadium closes now, right? Yeah, like it officially, closes. It they closes. didn't do Be- that before, but now they do. Yeah. Yeah, before well, we could security. stay working there for a good long while, and but now we are being removed, which I understand for security reasons and right. you know, things have changed well, post post uh, parking lots. Saw, like three accidents on ninety five. So yeah. Please, people, be careful when you go. When you leave Inter-Miami games, please. Kelsey, you were going to say something? Yeah, people, I think, you know, there are a lot of things that have changed in the last uh, few weeks. But I think one of the other things is that um, 
I don't know if you guys remember, but parking lots used to open, you know, pretty close to game time. And now I think they open around 7.30 a.m. Like for the, you know, the, Media the unveil. And, and yeah, I, I mean, it's it's a pretty long day for some people because if they open at 7.30, that means, you know, somebody needs to show up at 7.30 and be at the stadium. So it's it's different. It's a lot, it's, there's, there's, I think there's still things that will continue to change. Well, enough about our experience. Let's dive into it because there was a eventful game yesterday. Uh, another win for Inter Miami, a three to one victory against Orlando City in the Sunshine Classical, El Clasico del Sol, as I like to dub it. Um, we've got a lot to talk about in terms of the controversial calls, the performances, Messi. We saw a different side of Messi in this one, so um, let's just start with. The match recap, Inter Miami takes an early lead, a golazo from Messi, yet again, uh, seven minutes in, but Orlando City equalizes later in the first half through Cesar Araujo. We will get into the controversial calls that happen at right before halftime. Second half, Joseph Martinez gets a penalty kick uh, that Messi said, it's all yours. Joseph Martinez scores, puts one away against his uh, arch nemesis. Jose and I predicted that he would score, and alas, he does. And then... Leo Messi puts the game away later on in the second half with a good finish inside the penalty area. So, where do we begin? Should we just start with an overall analysis of the match? Let's just start there, and then we'll get into the very, very controversial talking point that I'm sure we will largely disagree on here, as we normally do. So, uh, Jose, what did you think about the game? What did you think about Inter Miami's overall performance in this one? Well, I thought it was different from the first two games. Uh, I think, you know, I thought Messi didn't go all out in the first uh, half or the first 60 minutes of the game. And I thought that was the right thing to do because um, he wanted to play the full 90. And, and for him to play the full 90, he, he needs to manage the load. And I think that's something that he did yesterday. And maybe that's why, you know, it was not as, as spectacular as we saw the first two games. I think his performance was good, of course, because... You know, he had two chances and he scored on both of them. So, I mean, that's big. Um, but I think, you know, at some point for Inter-Miami right now, it's about, you know, what can the other players around Messi start to do to help him out? And and I think last night when Robert Taylor had that opportunity, it, he gets a good ball through on the left side and he needed to make the right pass at that point And he was able to do that. So those, you know, little details, small moments in a game, that can really help Messi. And so I, I thought the performance yesterday was good, but I, I would give a lot of credit to Orlando as well. I think they, they had a good plan for, for Busquets and Messi. Unfortunately, it didn't work in terms of the result, but I think they, they put up a fight. Unfortunately. Why unfortunately, Jose? You're an Orlando City fan now too? No, because I appreciate when a team goes out yeah. and, 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 and puts and a, a good well. plan out there. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I appreciate that. So They, they didn't think... come out two for two, 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 like we talked about on the preview part. They you did. They, were yes, they, they did, did not come out two at two, brother. When they got out possessed by that large of a margin, they didn't come out two at two. They played a very smart game. Though. I'll give you that. I'll give you the full rise. They showed, I, I, yes, Franco, is that you never, you never accept things, but they showed how can you, you can beat Inter Miami. They showed, they showed all MLS teams how to do it. A plan that works. They proved it in on that first half, and unfortunately for them, the referee didn't help because the referee had 
some doubtful calls, some calls that he didn't make and, and the penalty that he gave. So uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out for them, but they put a great example for all MLS teams that even though you don't have that much of a firepower like Orlando do right now, they don't have a, a scoring number nine, uh, a good, a good, a good number nine that can, can make a difference. If they did, the game would have been uh, different, but they showed teams in MLS that this is a way that you can cause problems for Inter Miami and especially for Messi, who had the most problems yesterday with players going into him and, and not being as comfortable as he was against Atlanta. He was a very I, South American I, side in Orlando, though. Yeah. You know? exactly. So they know, you know, they, they play a different game. Yeah. I Listen, I agree that Orlando City played a, a smart game. The, the tactical approach was, I thought, spot on from, from uh, Oscar Pareja. That being said... Orlando City didn't come out to play blow for blow. They they stayed defensive. They tried to block spaces and passing lanes, and they did a good job of that. Aside from the early goal from Inter Miami, which was a dream start, after that, how many clear cut chances did Inter Miami create in that first half? I thought Orlando City put forth a really good first half. Second half, we'll get into it. Um, maybe not as good, but obviously some refereeing decisions played a part in in that. So, uh, Simon, what did you think of that first half? We were WhatsApp there a good bit what do you think of the first half overall from both sides yeah no i, I agree I, I think it was pretty clear what orlando's uh, tactical approach to the game was you know to to sacrifice possession um in return for having bodies that can get close to busquets and messi that was obviously uh their game plan and uh, that carries some risks with it um and and I thought they did it really well, and they frustrated uh, Inter Miami for a large part. Certainly frustrated Messi. Uh, we'll get into that later, I'm sure. Um, but also Busquets as well. Um, they weren't afraid to be a little bit rough at times. Um, but I don't. But they didn't park the bus either. You know, they right. they they did pose some questions uh, going forward. So, you know, this is this is uh, it was this marked contrast to the way Atlanta approached the task. I mean, that, that is obvious, and um, I think it does give us an indication of what some of the better teams in MLS are going to have to try and do. Um, but for Inter Miami, the encouraging thing is, frustrating night, team did a good job on them, and they still win 3-1. Absolutely. And I, I, again, I agree with most of what you guys are saying. I agree with Andrea that the blueprint is there now. Right now, is it going to be easy or um, are other teams going to be able to effectively implement this type of strategy on a consistent basis? I mean, it depends on that team, their personnel. Um, but I, I do think, like Andrea said, that the blueprint is there, right? They, they did a great job of shadowing Sergio Busquets during the first half um, and not allowing Inter Miami that entry ball into him. And because of that, Inter Miami struggled uh, at times with the buildup. And you saw Messi, instead of receiving the ball in the central areas where he's at his most dangerous, he had to drift out wide out to the right to try to pick up the ball and, and he was having not as much of an influence in that first half again first half from Orlando City was, was spot on uh, very well done on their part then comes the penalty kick that kind of changed the game Andrea I'll go back to you because um, you uh, sounds like you're ready to, to start the debates so um, <laughs> sure. was it a penalty kick was it not a penalty kick Akisita lead the way here on your first video appearance guys Listen, guys, it was not a penalty. Let's be serious. I think what happened is the referee, Ivan Barton from El Salvador, gave Messi a yellow card in the first half. 
deservedly so, I think. Uh, he gave uh, a yellow card for him. But I think that in the scuffle that happened in the middle of the field, Messi should have gotten his, in the tunnel, going into the tunnel, Messi should have gotten his second yellow card because he was arguing and pushing uh, some Orlando City players at the half. So when the referee came back, he did, uh, came back for the second half and didn't give Messi a, a, a yellow card, I knew like this game was not <laughs> going to end well for Orlando because... He deserved a second yellow card for what he did in the tunnel during the, the, the break. And then you got that penalty call that, for me, that was not a penalty. And it's unfortunate because now Inter Miami are getting famous. If you look all over media, international media, and, and everyone that is now looking closely for, uh, for Inter Miami games, all of them are talking like, this is the second time, second decision, because let's not forget that everyone knows by now that the fall against uh, the one they called against uh, Cruz Azul when Messi scored his first goal was not a foul. So they debatable, are still, though. They were, yes, they, that's debatable. That's for everyone to discuss. But now it's becoming a trend for people to say that uh, referees, especially referees from CONCACAF, who are the ones that are uh, doing their jobs in this tournament, are giving rev. rev Reverencias, I don't uh, to Messi. So uh, that is is favoritism. Are you saying there's a good little bit of favoritism for Messi? Uh, yes, that is going There's... to be a problem for yeah. Inter Miami because uh, you get penalty. Is it going to be like probably that. be a good problem to have if referees are favoring you on? Uh, on no, because calls. then it's going to come uh, for a time that referees are going to see what is what is being said about them, and then Messi argues a lot <laughs> because like players from Orlando City didn't roll over like Atlanta did. Seriously, they were they showed more personality than what Atlanta showed in 90 minutes, to tell you the truth. So Messi is going to get in trouble with players and with referees. So uh, it could, it can become a problem for Inter Miami, but definitely I don't think that that penalty against uh, uh, Orlando was not a penalty. I think Joseph faked it and. Well, he uh, definitely, referee, he definitely embellished it. He definitely yes. embellishes, right? He definitely, like, yes. but there's contact there. Well, we'll get back to the penalty kick in a second because you touched on the interesting point of the perception of referees favoring Inter Miami. And I don't think, I mean, I don't know if you, Andrea and Jose disagree. I think Simon and I have a similar thought here. I think star players get the benefit of the doubt more so than regular players. And that happens not just in football, that happens in all sports, right? You get the call. You get that benefit of the doubt maybe more so than you deserve sometimes, but it's just just human nature. Um, should it be that way? Probably not, but it is the way it is. Um, now, you said he should have gotten red carded at halftime for just like shoving and, and jawing and, and, you know, boquilla. I don't agree with that. I think if you want to say he maybe deserved There was contact there, though. So what? You could, what? You could see him. It is a yellow, textbook mm, yellow. No, no. If he, okay, if you guys want to say he deserved the second yellow, I would understand that during the run of play late in the first half where he shoulder barges into Cesar Araujo. If off, that was Jose Martinez, he would have gotten a, a second yellow card there. I am 100% that, so sure. There, there, I would more be inclined to agree with you that, okay, there that could warrant a yellow card. And that would have been a second then one. Then why, he, it's he would have been why only because it's messy. He didn't give the, his second yellow card. So, so, that, so then we can dive into that, right? Simon, I want to hear your thoughts here. I mean... No, I mean, I think the, the only issue I think last night was the penalty, which we'll talk about later. Um, I think I listened to, to what uh, Oscar Parea was, was saying, and I agree with him about the penalty, particularly 
the fact that the VAR didn't, the referee didn't go to the monitor to check it. So that that is something I really agree with. The second yellow card, I think the guy is under more scrutiny than anybody else. Yeah, there's other players who get a yellow card and get involved in a little bit of something, and nobody's jumping around saying they deserve a second yellow because we watch literally every move that Messi makes on that field. So he's under more scrutiny. I don't. I think this narrative was already there with people that Inter Miami are gonna get favoured. You've already seen people on social media before they even played a game saying that, oh, MLS wants into Miami to get to the final because of the TV ratings and so on. That's true, Look, though. I mean, is that not true, That's though? true. Is that not true? <laughs> does Apple TV, yes, does but, Apple TV but, not want that's, Messi that's to be true, in the final? But then, of course they do. But does that mean that they're then going to a referee, a FIFA referee who's been appeared at World Cups and so on and saying to him, hey, Make sure that Miami win this game. Come on, that's a conspiracy theory. That's of course, no. Listen, listen, listen. Hold that's, on. That's so, so that, so that's clear. I don't think that there's a there's a conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory or conspiracy here, but I do think that there is a natural favoritism towards Messi because of who he is. Who wants to be the referee? Let's let's honestly think about it. who wants to be the referee. I mean, maybe there are some referees. Very That's what I'm saying. If you but, get a referee like that, then Inter Miami is going to have troubles because he's going to get a red card. And in MLS, a red card usually means trouble. that. Who wants to be the referee that red, red card's messy? There's a like, lot of referees, Franco. That do I don't that. think you're going to have a problem finding one. Yesterday, they pulled the butt. They could have done it. They could have done it on that shoulder. Yeah, bar. and that's because what the shoulder I'm telling bars you, doesn't I come think... from the run. Like the shoulder bars, he, they're not. Neither one of them had the ball. The ball going to another player. I wish we could share the the, the image, but we don't have uh, rights with uh, Apple TV, so we can't do that. But the ball is not in play for Messi or for Araujo. It is going, I think, out to Noah Allen, and Messi just lines him up and shoulder barges him. And yes, it's shoulder to shoulder. But neither one of them were playing the ball, so that is absolutely a foul. Um, yeah, could it have been a second yellow? It could have been a second yellow, but was the referee going at was ref, was the head referee going to be like, "All right, I'm sending Messi off at the end of this first half"? Like, I know I mean, a couple of referees also, that would do forget. it. Marufa would do it, a hundred percent. The bar is higher for a second yellow. The bar is higher for a second yellow, though. Yeah, um, but I think it, in Messi. this case, it was higher because it was Messi. That's the problem, and that's why it's pressure. was, it's, there's, of course was it's pressure fighting there. about I, I did, Honestly, I didn't leave that game thinking, oh, Messi should have been sent off in that match. Yeah, yeah, of course. It, it, it didn't feel like that at the time. But it gives, like, it gives Orlando City and it, it, it gives Oscar Pareja, Oscar Pareja talking points because, uh, like I said, it's not the first controversial call that Inter-Miami has, especially Messi, not Inter-Miami, Messi has gotten because he got that goal against Cruz Azul with a doubtful foul also. Yeah, but that's, that's I don't know, I think that's where I think sometimes it's just going too far because, yeah. you know, it, it's 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 a soft call that I think both of them are soft. I think the, the free kick against Cruz Azul is soft, the penalty is soft, but, you know, I think there's an argument if you're the referee, you know? If 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 the referee doesn't have an argument at all, and it's something that you know we all agree that it's not a foul, then I I can see how you know the favoritism uh, theme can can take place. But if not, I think 
I, I think if, if they go that's a that's a VAR penalty to me. And and I think the reason they didn't go and check it is because, you know, they didn't they didn't want to overturn the, the ruling from, from Barton because you know, they all agree that it was a, a penalty. I don't know if they all agree that it was a soft penalty, <laughs> but <laughs> it was, there was some contact there. And then, you know, the free kick against Cruz Azul, it's, it's a beauty. I mean, it's, it's a foul, edge of the box, but I mean, it's a good free kick, so you have to give him credit for that. Hold on, hold on. But no one's saying don't give him credit for it. But the foul, Jose. The I haven't the met foul. one referee yeah, that has said that that was a foul, to tell you the, the truth. The, the foul, I mean, it looks a hit. He exaggerates the contact that was there, and he earns the call, which is all right. That's part of the game. It's part of the game. And that was in the first game. But in this one, when you see another controversial call, another iffy, soft foul go into Miami's way, then... You know, then I understand why there's a perspective uh, or a perception of that um, out there. Because, listen, going back to the penalty kick, I, I can see both sides of it. And I get why Orlando City fans would be mad, and I get why Inter-Miami fans are, you know, saying it's absolutely a penalty kick. I understand both sides of the argument there, because an argument can be made for both. If it was, she was the other way around, I think Inter-Miami fans would be just as right. upset about about the call. Um there is contact, right? There is contact. The, the arm, the, the, the right arm, I think it's uh, Antonio Carlos, his right arm, he stretches it out, and he makes contact on Joseph Martinez, who was making a run off his back shoulder and going to get that extra jump on that space or that jump on that extra space. Um, so he puts his arm on him. Joseph Martinez, a wily veteran, feels that contact, and he lets himself fall, right? It's not an outright dive, but he definitely embellishes it to, to – win the call. And the referee was right there in the line of it. He saw it. He made the call. You can argue it's a bad call. You can argue it's a soft call. I think it's a soft call. But you put yourself in that position. The bonus, you leave yourself at the referee's mercy when you put your arms up like that on a one-on-one situation where the guy's making a run and beating you to the space. Um, so right. it could have gone either way. I think when it comes to VAR, look, there's a there are referees in a booth that are watching the, the replays. They have to determine whether that goes to uh, the head referee and whether he's going to go make the decision on the field. I know not everyone agrees with that protocol or that process, but that's how it's done. It, it wasn't a clear and obvious error either way. Had you not called it, it wouldn't have right. been a clear and obvious error to call a penalty kick. And if you do call it, it's not a clear and obvious error that you that you need to negate the penalty kick. Right? It's it's just it's one of those plays that happens in football 100%. and soccer, and it's just you know. Inter Miami came out on top on that one, and Orlando City did not. It did uh, impact, and I won't say ruin, but it, it definitely changed the course of a very dynamic and interesting game. There was a tactical tactical battle there up until that point. Once Inter Miami had the lead, game went back in their favor, and they were able to play a bit more comfortably. Simon, uh, I think you're going to uh, agree with me a good bit there. I heard you uh, nodding in approval. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I mean, that's the problem with VAR is that. There's no, oh, that was a bit soft option in VAR because I wouldn't have given that penalty if I was the referee. It's way too soft. There's no way that contact was enough to send Martinez to the ground. I hate penalties like that, but they're modern <laughs> penalties. They happen in the game a lot more. And he's gone down, and as a referee, you have that power to go, nah, I'm not giving that one because he's gone down too easily. But once you go to VAR... It doesn't work like that. You don't have that kind of instinctive feeling. And the VAR people are looking at the images and saying, 
Um, well, there is contact, as you rightly point out, and he's gone down. What are we telling this referee? Come and have a look and see if that contact was really enough on the replay. He's seen it. It's not like he's missed it. He's seen it. So it's really difficult to overturn with VAR. I just think in situations like that, they should, for the for the uh, spirit of the game and, and for, for keeping people like Oscar Pereira happy, you send the referee to go and have a look at it to the monitor anyway, and you say to him, yeah, there is a bit of contact. Go and have a look at it again. And he goes and looks at it and goes, yeah, there was contact. He's still a penalty. But I, I, I gave him three hours. But I, they, this they, they were three doing hours that in long. the World Cup and in, in the Women's World Cup. They are doing that. They check, they check everything. Every penalty and everything, they check it. I don't like checking everything. I, I agree no, that I don't like checking like everything, but... Especially after a, a rain penalty. delay. <laughs> a penalty. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, I agree not checking everything. But, but a penalty, but, 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 check with The offside goal, right? Yeah. Yes, they checked the, the late Orlando City goal. They, they, that went to the monitor uh, there on the side of the field. And I think that I, wound I up Pereira a bit as well. So, yeah. let's, let's listen to the question. That was outside. That was, was it was offside. It was offside. Yeah. Not 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 on Araujo, but on the striker at the near post. He's a, he had his shoulder uh, ahead. So let's listen to what Pareja said post game because he was clearly not too happy, not too pleased with uh, the calls that were made, especially that that penalty call. This is Oscar Pareja post game. But we have to start with the reality of uh, the call of the PK and other calls that that were. We're ridiculous, and and and, I, and I'm. I, I don't want to say that the attention that we get in here, with all what is happening, it becomes a circus. Today was a circus. The first, the PK is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I don't know the bar. I don't know if the bar came today. So if the bar came today, and we have referees there, then we have to be honest, and 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 go and see it because the game deserves it. I was chuckling during what, like listening to it right now. Uh, I don't know if that was picked up or not, but yeah, it's uh, it's funny, and I understand his point. But what do you think? It's it's great for us <laughs> because we can really talk about it for hours and hours. Hopefully, we yeah. don't. But it's great for us. I mean, it's just awesome. I I just love it. I I think that's passion. That's you know. That's why I hate when MLS, you know, goes out and, you know, finds coaches for, you know, just going out there and let them be humans let them and be, exactly. feel the, let them the emotions the of the game. I like it. I like it. I don't agree with him, you know, but I like <laughs> it. I like it. Why don't you agree with him? Why don't you agree with him? What do you not agree with him about? Because I think that's a 50-50 call. And, and if it goes his way, then he's happy, celebrating, and he's thinking about the next game and he doesn't care. You know, it's not like he's going to go in the middle of the game and be like, hey, listen, Barton, I think that's a 50-50 call. It's better if you don't call it and let's keep on playing. It's never going to happen. So sometimes, and one thing you know. that made him mad also is that after the game, when players went and talked to him, he, he red-carded a couple of Orlando City players. So then you give a red card for that, but you didn't red-card Messi when he shoved someone. So Andrea is all all board the message. No, no, I'm just telling you why is he mad? Because that happened. Players went. He talked about in Spanish. He talked about the second as the second yellow card. 
he thought yeah. Messi yeah. deserved a second yellow card. All right, all right, let's let's do it quickly. Who thought Messi deserved a second yellow card here? Raise your hand or say aye. I mean, let's go, Simon. What did you think? Second, did Messi deserve a second yellow in this game? I think you said no earlier. No, I was surprised that there was even a discussion about it after the game. To be honest, Jose. No, I would say no. But I, but again, I would say it's a fifty-fifty call. The one in the tunnel to me, that's a fifty-fifty call yeah. because that's unnecessary. So you know, if it's another referee, yeah. if it's another player, then maybe he he'll show um, uh, the second yellow card. But it's a fifty-fifty call. It's a perfect example. You know, this time it didn't go um, Orlando's way again, but it could have. <laughs> it could have. But it didn't. Uh, Andrea, so you also wait, wait. I don't know, Andrea. What do you think? I Did agree Messi with Jose. Fifty-fifty. Fifty-fifty. If it was a referee, like other referees from CONCACAF, I, I bet he would have gotten uh, the second yellow card. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm disagreeing with you. I'm seeing some comments here that uh, they're just not with you guys there about the tunnel. I, I mean, read, read them, read them. We should read some comments. Read go ahead. Yeah. yeah, let's go. I Vinny mean, from the tunnel, really? Jesus. He doesn't agree with me or Andrea that, you know, the tunnel. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree that the tunnel, like, interaction is not, like, if you want to say second it's a necessary, yellow, it's, bro. it's a necessary. That's fine. So, you know how many Orlando, unnecessary he exchanges there are? Orlando City players for unnecessary uh, talking. They were complaining after the game and no, they no, got no, 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 come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. No, 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 hold on, hold on. This is here, we're going to, this is where the, the spiciness kicks in. <laughs> you don't know what the Orlando City players said on the field. To warrant those red cards, right? We don't right. know what they said, so maybe but we saw was... images of the fight in the tunnel. Mm. That we know. Fight? That was a fight, Jose? Really? <laughs> Let me tell you, this is, I, I this is 2023. Still 2023. Still not the NBA, but I mean, it's getting closer. A heated exchange. That's definitely not a fight. No fists were thrown. That, that's not a fight. No MMA. That's not a fight. Simon. Please back me you up. You could get you know what was, for no. that in the NBA. <laughs> no, what was interesting about us? What was interesting about uh, what Pereira said afterwards was when he talked about what I think got him really angry at the end was that they went to VAR to overrule his team's goal in stoppage time. I think that just added insult to injury to him. It was like salt in the wounds. But um, what he actually said about the offside call, he was like. Oh, so they went to VAR for, to rule out our goal because the guy is in an offside position. And he goes, and he was offside, but not really that much. I mean, come on. Okay. He was like, he wasn't interfering that much. But he accepted he was offside. So, come on. That's emotional talk. I understand yes. it. There's nothing, yeah, nothing wrong lost. with a his bit of emotional lost. talk. His team lost. And that's big reason I why. It, but to say the whole whole game, let's 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 not forget the big picture of what he said. He said the whole game was a circus because yeah. of Messi. Yeah, I think that I, was I think crazy that's ridiculous. because the, yeah, the first goal was a beautiful goal by by Messi by Inter Miami. And well, the penalty, I I can understand that he got mad with that, but also the third goal, it was a mistake. Orlando City made two mistakes in the first goal and in the third goal and they paid for them. They would have lost even if they, maybe you could argue, uh, like Oscar Pareja did, that they could could have tied, at, at least tied the game if that penalty was, wasn't called. But the two, the first and the third goal, were good goals by Inter Miami. Two mistakes from them, and Inter Miami, Messi especially, took advantage of those mistakes. They made, made them pay. Now, so, unless Jose has something else to add about the controversial decisions or Pari has comments, we'll focus on Inter Miami's actual collective performance here. Jose, this is your last chance. No, I'm good. All right. Robert so then, Heron is sending me a message here 
Says, we'll what say the it? most physical thing that happened was Campana pushing Araujo. <laughs> <laughs> I see, you. I see, I see comments, Campana, man. I see oh, comments from Tank721, and he said, Read yellow, Read yellow card for Ajisita. So, oh, Andrea, you're, you're one away from just being, one, uh, just one checking. yellow though, yeah. Just one yellow away. Bring Said Martinez. He's giving me the second yellow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's focus on the collective performance, right? We've talked about the controversial moments. We talked about Messi. Um, I think we can dive into Messi a little bit more because we saw a different Messi. We saw a frustrated Messi, right? He cut a frustrated figure, especially during that first half when the game wasn't going into Miami's way, and that's what led to the foul or the non-foul that could have been a second yellow that led to the exchange, uh, not the fight, Jose, uh, in the tunnel. Why do you think Messi was so frustrated? Why was Messi that bent out of shape about the way those first 45 went? Was it just simply because Inter Miami couldn't play as well as they wanted to and couldn't continue to just no. boss the league around? Why was he that mad? All right, go, go ahead, what, what was, because because what was he was shown because he was shown a yellow card and he got frustrated by it. You know, he thinks he's and he is the superstar. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. So he got frustrated that the referee showed him a, a yellow card for that. So he got, you know, he, he was complaining every single call. He was just very frustrated. But I don't think it it, it, it it, it, it was related to what Orlando City was doing. I think he was just frustrated with the referee, which happens and happens very often. Sam, do you agree with that? No, I don't. I think I think it was a reality check that first forty-five minutes for Messi because I think he's arrived in 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 this league and in in this Inter Miami world um, to a, a kind of pop concert first of all. And then a uh, dream start off the substitute bench and uh, with a nice free kick to, to win the game. And he's a hero and it's a Hollywood story, blah, blah, blah. And then the next game he's playing against uh, a defense that just let him do what he wanted to do. And then here he comes up and it's like, oh, they do this stuff here as well, do they? Like, this is just like being back at Barcelona or Paris Saint-Germain. All the defenders are around me. They're going for my ankles. The referee's not backing me. He's giving me a yellow card. Um, I want to. I want to have the ball at my feet and be able to, you know, play lovely exchanges with Robert Taylor and score another goal. I don't want to be dealing with three Orlando guys crowding around me. You know, it was frustrated by that. He was frustrated I, by the fact. I'm with that you, Simon. I'm with you. 100% he's not. He's not you. here to play exhibition soccer. He's he's gonna get this all the time, and I, I don't think he liked it. I, I'm with you. I think it was like a rude awakening to. A more um, yeah. competitive uh, match, right? Uh, a game in MLS where he's just not going to have the most fun and dribble and have open spaces to go at people and just turn and you know do all the magical things he can do with the ball at his feet. Um, I think it was kind of a, a, a wait a minute, these guys aren't going to let me have my fun. What's going on here? Um, I don't think exactly. it was the yellow card. I don't think it was the yellow card because I I, I just rewatched uh, on Apple TV the. The yellow card he gets, which he gets for fouling Peruvian midfielder Wilder Cartagena. Um, which should be a red then if he's a Peruvian, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. I, that one I would say I don't, it, it could have not been a yellow. And I think that you know he gives Messi a yellow. It was from behind, wasn't it? Yeah. It, it was, was from it behind. Was from behind. It was I think late. it was a yellow card. 
Yeah, it was it late, was. but I could have. It could have also just been like, all right. And like, he next, had next a couple of fouls before that. That is why he got a yellow card there, because well, he had a couple of fouls before that. Regardless, regardless, Messi's reaction is kind of like confused, and then he just walks away. You don't really see him anger, angry. Oh, or he angered. was frustrated by that. I think it was he the was. game, man. I think he it was, was the game. You tactically, you saw him again. I drift think out it to was the... a combination of both. It was a combination of both. I think. I'm sure the I yellow added, added to the frustration that he had. Let's agree on that. Yeah. that yellow card, but I think just the first. Listen, he scored early on. I mean, no reason to be frustrated there. I mean, I think just the way that Orlando City played, they played with two holding midfielders there to not allow him much space and time on the ball. They shadowed Busquets. You know, everyone says you have your most fun with football when you have the ball and you're in possession and you're knocking it around. And clearly, that's what his whole career has been—just um, him with the magic of having the ball at his feet. And he couldn't have it in comfortable spots and do what he does best. I think that's what got him that frustrated. And, you know, in the second half, he got more space, especially after the penalty kick goal. Gets the, uh, the you know, the goal that caps everything, that puts it on ice. Um, another nice finish with his right foot um, past Pedro Galese, another Peruvian. Shout out to the Peruvians. Um, but into Miami overall, I think that, listen, they were still the better team on the balance of play. I don't know if you all agree with that. I think you guys do. Yeah, absolutely. That they were the better team on the balance of play. Even though the game came down to a controversial call in the end, I still think Inter Miami did not deserve to lose the game based on what we saw. Now, the game could have played out differently had it been 1-1, and you see those last 30 minutes at 1-1, maybe. But from what we did see, Inter Miami did not deserve to, to lose that game. And they pulled it out. They won. They were always. They started knocking the ball around very Barcelona-like, which is really impressive to see and uh, fun to see and hear La Familia and everybody at Drafting Stadium chanting, ole, ole. I really enjoyed that. I mean, it's not too common you see that in MLS. I know it's happening right. in Miami games. But it, it just it's just another um, fun element to, to what was a fun night for Inter-Miami, winning the Derby, winning El Clasico, um, winning the rivalry match. So collectively... What do you think of Inter Miami in this one? All right, we've talked about the controversial calls. We've talked about Messi. Collectively, what do you think of Inter Miami, Andrea? I think uh, Inter Miami have, with Messi and Busquets, have become a little bit more solid. Uh, players like Kremaski and Robert Taylor are getting more spaces and uh, are getting comfortable with Messi moving around like he did in this game uh, when with his frustration and good marking from Orlando City. I think that that is good for the team, but I also think that in defense, they are not as strong as they need to be to to really push through uh, to get to the playoffs in the league, at least at this moment right now. Uh, I think uh, their defense is their, still their weakest link. Jose, collectively, did you like what you saw from Inter Miami? Again, you gave Orlando City credit, and I, I did too about the game plan they put forth. But overall performance, over the course of 90 minutes, did you like what you saw from Inter-Miami? I think, I think they can do more. I think they can do more. Because I think we're, we're still, you know, as you ask me and you mentioned the word collectively, immediately my mind goes to Busquets and, and Messi. Mm -hmm. So they, they make everything happen for Inter-Miami. Um, so what is DeAndre Yedlin doing? Yes, he's more active, but is he, is he really contributing as much uh, offensively? He's not. Um, no, Allen, I, you know, we cannot ask much from him. But, you know, when both 
fullbacks move forward, are we getting plenty of touches from them, good crosses? We're not getting a lot. You know, the, the only player that we're getting, uh, um, you know, some good stats from it's Robert Taylor and, and that combination. So collectively, I think there's still room for them to grow because they rely a lot right now in in Busquets and Messi and honestly I I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything as of, as of right now because they're winning games like that. Simon, please tell me that you have a more positive outlook on the collective performance. I do, but I think I think uh the point has to be made as well that when Orlando set up in a way that did block Busquets from being the creative force and finding Messi at will and did crowd out Messi when he got the ball, then you're asking the question of the other team then, okay, what are you going to do now? You've had five or ten minutes and you've realised this isn't really getting you anywhere. You've had possession, but every time you try and play into to Messi, the ball's breaking down and you're not getting it through to him. Okay, try something different then. And they didn't. They carried on doing that and didn't really find another way. Now, I think at half-time, that would have been what Tata is saying to the team, that, hey, if there isn't always the pass there, let's have a look somewhere else. Let's go to Robert. Let's, uh, you know, and he did, in the first half, he pushed the full-backs up really, really high at one time, didn't yeah. he, to try and, to try and uh, ask, Grace, ask... He tried to create space in the middle. Way. Yeah, he tried to create space in the middle by having the, the, the full-backs go high up. It was like a front five, actually, because of how high up the they problem, were. That was to the problem the is, though... The problem is, and if, if this team ever fails to win a game in the next few few games, it's going to be because of this, that when they have to go to something else other than Busquets and Messi dominating, there's not enough there. There's nothing. I mean, you know, so... Yeah, Jose is, and Simon are right. Robert Taylor has delivered some really, really excellent enough. moments, yeah? Robert Taylor has delivered some excellent moments and... and uh, but, you know, what are you going to do? You're not going to go direct to Martinez. You've not uh, got another playmaker in midfield. You've got Kramaski, who, you know, we've argued about and everything, who I think is an extremely promising player, but he's not yet that player who can be like a number 10 in a team at that level. So your options are very limited if that's not working. So that's really encouraging for the opponents who play into Miami. And the people who watch Dallas are going to be watching that film and saying, Okay, this is what we've got to do, and then they aren't all that when you do that. So yeah, and Tata's got to start. Tata's got to start thinking of a way to have an alternative game plan for those times where he can say to them, "You know what? Ignore, ignore Messi for five minutes. Lull them into a false sense of security. Start playing the ball another way. Let them just forget about Messi for a moment, and then go and find him." Can they afford that, though? Like honestly, looking at the roster, can they afford to look someplace else? That it's not number ten. For five Can minutes. they do that? I, I have serious doubts that they can do that. <laughs> if if I'm, you know, listen, if I'm playing against Inter Miami and I see the Andrew Yedlin running to the right side, up and down the field, wide open, fine, let him go. I know he's going to get closer to the box and he's not going to put a good cross in. So fine, I'll take my chances. I just don't want him, you know, moving forward and then finding Messi near near the box or inside the box because that's trouble. So I'll I'll let DeAndre Jedlin have the ball. As long as he doesn't get the ball to Messi, I'm fine. It's fine. They don't have enough. They can't move away from Busquets and Messi. That's why they're sitting in last place because they didn't have Busquets and Messi. 
Now they have them. They're winning three games in a row. International competition. So I don't know if they have enough. Maybe next year. Or maybe if, you know, Facundo Farias and Gomez and... Um, Aviles. Well, Aviles Aviles center back. back. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, those two players and Gomez, I think, you know, he didn't have a, a, a good match last night. But, you know, he I, I can see some quality in him. So if those two players are difference makers then maybe they can look someplace else. You guys have for- all forgotten one key piece to this whole puzzle, and he was a player that also debuted last night. Victorio. That's Jordi. <laughs> that's Jordi Alba, who came off the bench in the second half, made his Inter-Miami debut. I mean, you're going to expect him to give you something in the attack once he's fully fit and starting games. Like, it's another weapon in the build-out. It's another weapon in the build-up to play through and two you imagine his uh delivery of the final balls will be uh, an upgrade over what inter miami has up to this point so i mean that's going to be one other tactical wrinkle that inter miami will be able to introduce fairly soon for longer stretches so can't forget about jordi alba guys because once the, once he comes then all right yeah go ahead shadow shadow busquets go ahead crowd messi Leave Alba on one-on-one matchups down the wing the entire time, and he'll take that, and then he'll whip in crosses and see if he can find somebody. I mean, Wow, look, you're being very positive right now. Listen, collectively, is there more from, from them to come? Absolutely. Absolutely. But overall, look, they're a team that was in, is in last place in the Eastern Conference, playing a team that's in fifth place in the Eastern Conference. Orlando City's not a bad team. And yes, Miami was at home again, and yes, okay. But they played well with the ball. They weren't under duress a whole lot, right? Orlando did tie the game up and made it interesting. But how many saves did Drake Calendar really have to make yesterday to really be like, oh, wow, okay, Orlando City's on the verge of taking the lead? Did that? Did you ever get that sensation from up in the press box or Andrea uh, down on the field? I never got that sensation that Orlando City, for as smartly as they were playing, that they were ever close to taking the lead. Did you, Simon? Did you ever feel like... They had Messi and Busquets on the field. They had Messi and Busquets on the field. Clearly, that takes them, you know, that that removes the whole element of being in last place. You know, when when, when it's when it comes to a matchup, you know, head-to-head, 90 minutes. Long run, I already told you, they're not making the playoffs. They have zero chance. But when it comes to one night, one game, an elimination game, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, well, can win so what, what was the biggest problem with Inter Miami before this transfer window of gold, right? What was the biggest issue? Oh, they couldn't score goals. Why could they not score goals? Coach. Because and they the had defense, no defense, Franco. They have the, no. still the same issue. And the with biggest Jordi problem Alba, is the goal. It's going to be goals, worse. Yes. Jordi no. Alba doesn't defend. The, de- the defense was not the main issue. The main goals, issue was goals, the yes. attack goals, yeah. and the goals and the lack of creativity from that midfield. With Messi and Busquets, you have just injected a whole lot of creativity. Yeah into a team that didn't have anything. So, yes, if Messi and Busquets are, are out, you go back to a team that has very little creativity, unless Jordi Alba yeah. is going to be a, a a machine out there on that left flank. Um, so, yes, I agree that if you take them out, yes, this team is going to struggle. Um, but collectively, as a group, with them on the field, and not just their individual um, play and sus individualidades, like, you see a better team collectively, the way they knock the ball around, how comfortable they are. No. That one I sequence where they knock the ball around, like, for 30 not, passes. Neither of us agree with you, Franco, not Simon, that Jose, not me. I don't know. Well, Messi and Busquets. Simon might Simon, be agreeing I don't with know. Franco. Listen, Simon yesterday, and we'll, this, we absolutely need to get into this here, and I, this is a perfect segue. 
because Simon yesterday was raving about a certain player. And yeah. that was Benjamin Kremaski. I do now, get this. The yeah, of course. You you were ready for it, brother. You were ready for it. Um, I'm ready. Listen. Actually, I don't hear what Simon has to say about, about Benjamin Kremaski, right? Because he, he's playing in the midfield. Um, obviously, he's not tasked with the same roles and responsibilities as Busquets, but he's there to help progress the ball forward. And Simon, you were very much in favor of how he performed yesterday, yes? No, what I said to you, Franco, was I said, do you see now why people like this kid? Yeah, because, you know, I heard you on the podcast the other day um, saying, oh, people at the club are really uh, high on Kramaski and, and basically suggesting that you don't know why that would be. Um, and I thought he showed in that game, especially in the first half, alongside the obvious error that he made and and, and shortcomings that we, you will get with an 18-year-old kid, I thought he showed a lot of why people are excited about his potential. He's not the finished article yet, but there's a reason why scouts watch him and, and talk about him and why he gets called up for Argentina's under 20 camp and all this kind of stuff. And if you look at the way he collects the ball, his body shape, the way he turns, the way he looks. Um, the way and, he and, looks. And, <laughs> the, you, like, yeah, you like the long yeah, hair? The way, you, like, you, like the, you like the little bob thing he's got going no, on? The way he looks on the ball. The, no, he's very elegant on the ball. He, he looks comfortable with the ball at his feet. Um, Jose, these are all Jose good. disagrees with you, and Jose's smiling. I, smirking I, I think they need to find a position for him. Yeah, I was gonna say that they need to. I think they to need to find a position. Will what is he? Play. A defensive mm-hmm. midfielder? Because we're saying he's good with the ball, no. but he but he thinks he's a defensive-minded player. Um, his, I think he said one time that Rodrigo de Paul was his was his mm-hmm. um, you know his, his idol, idol mm-hmm. or reference. You know, so he thinks he's a defensive midfielder. Then exactly. you know, no, more not. people are watching him because of his offensive abilities, his movements with the ball. So I think they need to find him a place. Mm-hmm. He's he's. I, I mean, to me, to me, he's a box to box midfielder. Like I don't no. see his strengths being overly defensive. I don't see his strengths being overly. He's not box offensive. to box. He's he's somewhere in the middle. He's somewhere in the middle. He, he runs around a whole lot. Gives you a whole lot of work rate. Um, can can battle and scrap and win help you win the ball back and then in the attack you know he does have nice turns he does have nice touches um, I think his range of passing needs work which again he's a young player that that will come um, surely with time but he's also not the, he doesn't have a whole like he's not he a, very a creative shot. he's not the he's most not. creative player he doesn't have like the best shot right so like he's not that quite offensive and he's not quite defensive he's somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. I think he, he's a box to box midfielder. Um, with Inter Miami, it's kind of been uh, that somewhere in the middle time. needs to change. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere in the middle, middle is because usually not to good. To be a box to box midfield, you need to have a good shot, and he doesn't at this moment. He doesn't. I mean, I don't know if that means he can't be box to box. You don't need to necessarily be someone that shoots from distance to be box to box. He's a number eight that, in my opinion, could develop. Of, eventually into a final third if he improves certain aspects right. of his game he could mm-hmm. he could be more of that a 10 or something mm-hmm. between an yeah. 8 and a 10 there are no 10s really in football anymore are there so yeah. something in in that in that range that's where i see him the things that i like about his game are the things he does in front of the 10 15 yards away from the penalty area and 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 his his improvement needs to be what he does when he gets nearer to the penalty area yeah, absolutely. I think absolutely. that's why they Andres, need to find him a role. 
you know, role, exactly. something yeah. that he, you, you know, that he can excel with at this point in his career, but at the same time, continue to Get grow. Better. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think he, I, obviously, you know, he's a promising player. There's no doubt about it. I think from the, from the group of Academy players, um, yeah, Academy, because, you know, how many years? Why? Franco, Let's not get into that. Why? Let's not get into that. Seriously, but Academy Ruffy, players. I'm just, you know, I don't know why he said Academy players. But okay. Well, David Ruiz has spent seven years in another Academy that's not Inter Miami. Benjamin so. Kramaski also. Weston. So, but let's not get into that. <laughs> we can say that for another pod later on. They, yeah, they are labeled as Academy players from Inter Miami. Although they play one year with them. But I think if they are able to find him a role, a role, mm-hmm. then, you know, they really have a player. They really have a player in there. And I think Hermaski, without a doubt, is out of that list of six players, is it? And now, especially with Ian Frey injured, I think he's the top prospect for Inter Miami right now. Uh, I would agree that, yeah, he's the top prospect right now. Um, yeah. I do think... Drake is no longer a prospect, right? Even though he's still young, but and he, I don't, no longer. And he, was, he wasn't an academy. He wasn't an academy player. So um, I do think uh, he does need to add elements to his game, especially in the attack. Um, you know, maybe, maybe, I don't see it quite yet, but maybe he could develop something like Michael Bradley who would crash the box, make those trailing runs into the penalty area at a young age and, and finish off goals that way. That, that's certainly a possibility, especially with all these... So that's where I think you're getting him wrong. I think if, you, if you're if you comparing him to Michael Bradley, that explains to me why you, you're not, not rating him too highly because I don't think he is that kind of aggressive box-to-box midfield guy. I don't think he's strong enough to be that kind of player. Mm-hmm. So, so what is he then? You said he's an eight. What an eight is a box to box midfielder, no? Not really, not in that system. I mean, you, if you're playing a, a three man midfield, effectively, you've got your defensive midfielder at the moment. That's a royal, no? And then you've got Busquets as your kind of holding creative midfielder, your deep lying playmaker, whatever you want to call him. You so you know you've got your four and your six there. He's the one in front of those two guys. He's the one in, in that position in the in the gap between the midfield and the attack, which is a little bit of an ill-defined position a lot of the time. And it depends what system you're playing and how you're playing it. I mean, if he was playing for Manchester City, he'd probably be going out left and then Taylor would be cutting in the middle and there'd be all sorts of interchanges going on. They haven't got to that level yet. I think Tata wants them to play that kind of football, but they haven't got to that yet. So everyone's still playing in these little pockets of space. But But that'll come... I, I think he's a final third player. I think he's he's got to he's got to definitely work on his shooting. If he's weak on that, and I haven't seen evidence of him having a good shot either, um, but it's those little touches and turns and just getting away from a man and just just using the half spaces and stuff. I I, I think he could develop that way. Who knows? But we're talking about potential with an eighteen-year-old, aren't we? We're not talking about what he's doing right now yeah. as a complete package. Sure. They, they, you think you could see be... the starting points, though, but you see the starting yeah. points of what he could become. And Absolutely, yeah. I don't see, like, necessarily, although he did play that pass to Joseph Martinez, to be fair. He did play the pass that led to the controversial uh, penalty kick, if I'm not He's mistaken. good with the ball. He's not Dixon Arroyo. I mean, he's good with the ball. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you can expect that pass from him. So, I, I think, I, listen, mate, I, I can see him, you know, in, in Simon's role. Maybe if he grows into uh, Jean Mota, maybe you know, taking that role, similar role, maybe he, he can excel at that position. I don't see any characteristics as Jean Mota. 
Jin Mota's um, more technical, so, more range of passing. I don't see that for well, coming to him. Well, Jin Mota is, you know, he's already a player, you know. Kremaschi I think the still... problem with, with Kremaski is going to be uh, the arrival of Facundo Farias, who um, beat him up in that position to play with Argentina's uh, under 20, and um, has more experience. So we, we're going to see the problem with these guys is David Ruiz already went to the bench. Now Kremaski, I think, is going to go to the bench too. So we'll have to wait and see what is Tata's plan, especially also because Tata asked specifically for these uh, uh, three young players, Gomez and, uh, and Farias and, and, and the other central defender. Aviles. So um, I think uh, that is, we will have to see that how Benjamin Kramaski can continue to develop if he doesn't play or gets uh, a lot of playing time from now on. But so is, that goes is, back is to Farias going to play in the midfield though? Or is he going to play out on the wing? He's going to play. Forget about where he's going to play. He's just going to play. Right, but that doesn't mean he's going to take Benjamin Kramaski's Listen, then who else they're is not going to bench out. Robert Taylor, frankly. Taylor, I mean, given Taylor. the form Robert Taylor's playing right now, it's it's yeah. it's looking unlikely it's, you sit him. It's, it's an easy bench, choice. I mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's but no I don't other. Think it's good... Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Well, no, Jose made this point uh, the other day um, that probably a lot of these young players are going to end up going to the bench or out of Absolutely. the team, and. Uh, and I agree with that, and that's not a problem either for eighteen-year-olds. Like you can't assume that an eighteen-year-old should be a guaranteed starter in a team no, no. that wants to win things, um, unless they're an extraordinary talent like you know Bukayo Messi Naka. was when he was eighteen, right? Um, <laughs> the the question that that raised, and I thought about it when when Jose said that, was okay, but how do you develop these players? Because there, there isn't uh, a natural this season particularly, right? You're going into must-win games all the time now. U.S. Open Cup must-win game. Every game in the League's Cup must-win game. Then you're going into this 12-game stretch in MLS, where um, they're all must-win games because they haven't got much margin for error, right? Until that will change though in a month. In a month, they will. The rest won't, won't be must-win games. That, that's and the time they're gonna get the opportunity after the international Messi break to the, the international <laughs> break they're gonna get that their time there but uh yeah i think that's something to 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 look forward especially because tata asked if tata saw what the youngsters that he had and tata, and tata thought okay we have ian frey we have david ruiz we have kremaski and what are the players that he brought? Exactly those positions. Ian Frey, he saw him as a central defender. He brought a central defender, same age. Then he brought an attacking midfielder to for Benjamin Kremarci. And he brought an attacking midfielder for Defensive. David Ruiz. So uh, he he sees them as an upgrade to to what he already has. So I don't think we're going to see these guys. Unfortunately, Ian Frey is injured. But with David Ruiz and Benjamin Kremarci, I don't think we're going to see them a lot for the rest of the season. I disagree. I think Kremaski will continue to get a lot of minutes. I think, I mean, maybe he doesn't start every game like he has been, but I think he continues to, to see a lot of minutes. Because and again, this is subject they, they to injuries. Him, they rate him highly. Mm-hmm. You know, injuries, op- injuries open opportunities for Ruiz yeah, that true. might not have been there this year for him. And Where Kremaski so, could, could lose his minutes? I don't think it's with Farias. Where he could lose his minutes is with Gene Mota. If Gene Mota gets back to full health in the next month or so, then I think there's a chance that Kremaski then loses his place in the lineup. I don't think Farias is coming 
to take his place in the lineup. I think Farias will be uh, a, a choice, you know, that could play on the wing in place of Robert Taylor um, or be a, a super sub uh, for this second half of the season. I think that's where Farias is going to play. I think you're looking at Gene Mota more as Benjamin Kremaski's direct competition for, for that place in the midfield that Simon described. Um, very quickly, just want to hear your quick thoughts. And uh, I heard Jose's yesterday, so I'll start with Andrea this time. On uh, Diego Gomez, who also made his debut, what do you think of uh, of his performance there in the midfield? He was very nervous, got a yellow card just two minutes after he came in. Um, he needs to get used to the, the physicality here in, in MLS play, especially because it's different than what, what he has experienced. Um, I think he he'll he'll need to learn that he'll need to to learn how how the game is played here. I think he has qualities, but I don't. I personally I don't think that he is a hundred percent ready to to take Dixon's Arroyo's place. I think uh, we're gonna see him come in like we did uh, when Busquets gets tired or Dixon Arroyo gets tired, injured or whatever. But I don't see him uh, taking not Dixon Arroyo's place right now or or Busquets' place right now. It's hard to forget because of, you know, the way this summer has gone with the transfer window and, you know, how much attention there is on everything now with Messi and every and everyone. That he's still a teenager. He's still a kid, right? Or he's, or he's 20, but he's still fairly young, right? So, yeah, um, yeah. you know, it's his, it's his first game. He's thrown into a Clásico um, that's tight, intense. Uh, that so- doesn't matter, Franco, please. What do you yes, mean that doesn't matter? In first classico, division. And... Class, I was just going to say this. It's not a classical? It wasn't a classical? It's not a classical for a Paraguayan player. That's not a classical. Yeah, he barely knows that Orlando exists. Exactly. It's, it's, but it's not a classical in terms of what the game is and the, and the no, way the game man, is unfolding. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. That so wasn't the there. reason he was nervous. So he was just I'm sorry. We need, to, we need to really stop this classical thing in general yes, with this please. game because because we had some ludicrous discourses going on. I mean, I know there was a little bit of mistranslation and so on, but, you know, when comparisons are being made between Real Madrid, Barcelona, <laughs> yes. I mean, Late or night. even, for that matter, Shakhtar, Donetsk, and Dinamo Donetsk, Kiev. Donetsk, Dinamo Kiev. Jesus Christ, help I us, mean, please. it's Orlando into Miami. It, maybe it will develop into a rivalry, but come Maybe on. it's already a rivalry, Simon. What are you talking about? It Franco, is a rivalry. be serious. It is Hi. a rivalry. Diego Gomez is already... Diego Gomez knows the rivalry because he played in Paraguay, and the rivalry there is a real rivalry. Orlando City against Miami is not a rivalry. Let me tell you, Galese against Messi was more of a rivalry of a Clásico <laughs> yes. than Orlando City against Inter Miami. Let's Terrible be serious. Takes. Terrible takes. From Let's be serious. It's absolutely a, it's a rivalry. So you're telling me Gomez was nervous about playing Orlando City? He barely <laughs> knew the team existed. It was if about I go the and game. ask him the, the full name of Orlando City, he wouldn't be able to say it. It was about the game. It's not about... <laughs> it's the way the game was unfolding. Okay, it was a two to one game when he came on. It wasn't like they were up four zero and he gets to just come. So on nothing to do with it being. You're backing away. It's nothing to do no, with it being a class. because it was absolutely. his debut. Because it was tense. It was messy. Messi's tempers are flaring. What do you, like absolutely it has everything to do. The stadium was packed. You know, we we talked a lot about ticket sales and them being expensive. The stadium was packed. I don't think it was officially sold yeah. out, but it was packed. I mean. All those elements help make for something that could lead you to be nervous. Absolutely. On top of it being his day, his first game with the team and all that. Absolutely. No, I think it passes more from what I said that he he still doesn't know 
how this league works and he he wanted to impress to another uh, he's used to he another type of football yeah. and he was trying too that. hard and that's why he that. got a he yellow card and hard. then after the yellow card you saw him get a little bit like scared like a little bit more cautious because he thought I could get a, a, a red card and imagine that was too overzealous. He came, he came in too overzealous, too, too, uh, yeah, yeah. Ansia, ansias. Um, all right, very quickly to wrap up this, uh, this show with the four of us on FC Dallas on Sunday. I'm going to put you guys out there now because Jose and Andrea yesterday said, and I, I hope all the viewers are listening nice and, uh, nice and attentively here. They both think that Inter Miami loses on Sunday. Yes. It's I don't be I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. Simon I think it's I think it's gonna be tight, mm-hmm. but you know, it's gonna be a different game. It has to be a different game. It's going to be know? a different game. Yeah. But I, so I think it's I don't, it's I don't see be them tight. Losing. But I why, think why, do, why do you think? How about that? Let's go there. Why do you guys think? We'll start with Jose. You can share with the viewers. Yeah. I'm used to saying I'm used to saying listeners, so I gotta get I gotta adjust there, recalibrate. But why do you think FC Dallas can beat this inform inter Miami team? You're going to talk about weather. You're going to talk about travel. But go ahead. No, no one talk about that. Oh, I, no. I don't think. No, no. I, I think you know this is going to be a, a very emotional match for them. You know, this is the first test of Inter Miami playing in a different atmosphere where players and fans are going to be playing a final. You know, they want to beat Messi. They want to eliminate Messi. The stadium is already sold out. So it's a big event for, for Dallas. And Inter-Miami, for the last three games, they have been feeding from the energy of the fans at times. When they struggle, you know, they were playing at home. They were comfortable. The fans were pulling for them. It's going to be different in Dallas. Of course, there's going to be a lot of Messi fans as well. But, How different you know, is it going to be in Frisco, Texas, my friend? Tickets, went, tickets sold out, I think, in 20-something minutes today. Yeah, they're sold out. They're they're sold out. So, you know, it's going to be an emotional game for them. So they're going to struggle. And, you know, the record shows that Inter-Miami, the collective, like you want to call it, struggles on the road. You know, they struggle. Struggles without Messi and without Busquets. Now they have Messi and Busquets. They will be better. A few minutes ago. Yes, they will be better. They will be better. But, you know, the rest of the the role players, they struggle on the road. They throw so, in the, and Franco also again. All you're telling me, hold on, hold on, hold on. Tight. I want to, I want to hear Andrea. But also, all you just Fran- said for your reasoning, for your reasoning for why they lose on Sunday is because the team before Messi and Busquets was bad on the road, so the team with Messi and Busquets is going to be challenged on the road. Like, what, you're not even talking about FC Dallas. You're not even talking about the well. Level FC of Dallas, let's talk about that. FC Dallas has uh, weapons that. Uh, Orlando City was missing yesterday. We talked about this before. Uh, Dallas has those weapons. Dallas has a good number nine, and Dallas has some dangerous players uh, on their wings. So they are going to complicate Inter-Miami defense. Listen, last game, don't tell me like uh, Facundo and all uh, players didn't uh, leave Christoph dancing with himself yesterday in some of occasions. So you're telling me Jesus Ferreira, Paul Ariola, uh, even Leget when he comes in as a substitute, are not going to give trouble to that Inter-Miami defense when you have uh, Yelin and Jordi Alba going forward. 
Dallas FC can create dangerous play for Inter Miami, more dangerous than what Orlando did yesterday because they have a better number nine and they have better wingers than what Orlando had yesterday. Sure, they have more offensive firepower. Defensively, are they going to be able to hold up against It Messi? doesn't matter. You just have to score like Orlando did yesterday. It's going to be tight. I mean, at least I'm not saying... Say- how can you say it doesn't matter how you Franco, because we that? have seen this before with Slatan. Slatan scored four goals in a game, but Galaxy received five goals in a game. We have seen this already in MLS. Okay, so you're it's predicting... It's not the first time uh, that MLS has a big star. So you're predicting a shootout and Inter Miami loses. All right. Simon, please bring some reason to this discussion. Please. What do you think about Sunday's game? Is it? Are you betting on Inter Miami losing? After seeing how they played in the last three games, which, by the way, have all been... No, games. no, I'm not betting on them losing. I think uh, this feels like the shortest turnaround they've had. I don't know if it is, but it feels like uh, coming off that game and suddenly we're, 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 uh, with, with the road trip aspect to it uh, compared to having they just had a week off, effectively, between two games, right? So um, that's going to be a little test for... Uh, for Busquets and Messi and Alba D players that like, okay, you, you you come back in, you're feeling fit, you got back involved in the games a little bit ahead of schedule. Now you're asking to play in your fourth game on, on a shorter turnaround with a road trip thrown in and with it possibly being uh, even hotter than Miami there, although less humid, but still it's been really hot in Texas this last week or two. Um, but in terms of the team, I mean... Um, I think Andrea's right that Dallas, you know, with um, it's uh, Jesus Ferreira, no front for, for them. They've, they've, they've got more there than, than Orlando or Atlanta had. But um, at the other end of the field, I don't think they're going to be as effective as uh, Orlando were in closing out um, Messi and Busquets, unless they've really, really worked hard this week and drilled on it. I mean, they've got a negative goal difference this season which Orlando don't have. Um, I think the Western Conference is arguably weaker than the Eastern Conference anyway, and they're in the, the middle, the lower part of that. So I think it's an easier game in that sense. So the game's there to be won. The question is, it's a conditioning question for me, whether these guys, whether this starts to just start to take a toll on them, you know, after this impressive start. I agree with a lot of what you said there, Simon. And I would predict Inter Miami to win this one. And yes, the, the heat is going to be a challenge. The travel will be a challenge. The crowd, maybe. I, I have a feeling that a good portion of that crowd is just going to be there to see Messi and is going to be cheering for Messi all the same, even though the game's in Texas. Um, you know, we've got some predictions in the in the comment section. Vinny says 3-0 Inter Miami. J-Dog says 2-1 Inter Miami. I think Inter Miami wins this one. I think that they will have more in the attack than FC Dallas has. I don't think Inter Miami keeps a clean sheet in this one. I think FC Dallas will score, but I think Inter Miami will... They're not facing Orlando City's defensive game plan, where defensively you had two Pitbull Terriers in there in Araujo and, and Cartagena um, pestering Messi all over the field. Like I, I think there's going to be spaces. I think Inter Miami is going to exploit that. We'll see what FC Dallas does. Again, I think they score, but I think Inter Miami wins this one. Against a higher level opposition, I could see it being more of a challenge. Maybe I'm uh, overlooking FC Dallas here a little bit, but I just don't see them putting up the, the same type of fight as. Yeah, well. I think it'll be a tight one. It'll be it'll be a close one. Could go either way. I wouldn't be surprised if if we're if back uh, for the next round. 
Yeah, yeah I think they could go to penalties also. I don't think it's going to be easy for Inter Miami. I don't think they're going to lose 4-0. But well, you I think know, it, it'll be hard for Inter Miami. And I don't, I don't see them winning um, as comfortably as they did yesterday or as they did with Atlanta. Well, this is before you go. We got two. We got a few more comments there um, from predictions. We've got Penaldo, aka Tapinaldo, aka Benchnaldo. Four <laughs> two. He doesn't say who, uh, but I assume it means Inter Miami. Okay, so yeah, one says mean, we win a banger four to three on the road. Texas gets painted. I could see that. Yes, and that is what I was telling you, Frank, when you told me you're crazy. Blah, blah, blah. You said it. You, you, you compared <laughs> to Zlatan and how Zlatan scored a bunch of goals and then they lost. Like, the no, but, all here yeah, but. That is what I meant. They're gonna score. That's a four three. He's also gonna gonna score. Also. Okay, so who's winning? So who's winning? Because you said you said Dallas is gonna win. Are you changing your prediction, Mitchell? Right now, you can do it now before it's too late if you want. No, I didn't say I didn't say Dallas was going to win. I said Inter Miami will have a more difficult for for to win, and I think they could. I win. say that yes. Dallas will win. I said that Dallas will win. They, Okay. Tight. Jose, it's going to be tight. Jose, but I Jose think Dallas only, wins it. Oh, so you're the only yeah. one that says Dallas wins. Yeah, because, you know, I think, you know, when, you know, when it when it's a special game, I, I don't like to compare Dallas to any other game, like before this one, because it's only normal that you step up your level. You know, you pay more attention to detail. Maybe you do it only for one game, and that's why you're not playing at the highest level. But, you know, you're just too emotional. But sometimes it pays off. You know, you're a little mm -hmm. bit more, you, you just feel like this is a, a bigger opportunity. You, you know, the world's going to be watching. Exactly. Um, you don't want to be embarrassed by Messi. So, you know, there are a lot of elements that, you know, you just don't have when you play real Salt Lake, you know, and <laughs> you, you, they, they didn't have them when they play Mazatlan, you know, yes, last night. So it's going to be different. You know, the, the atmosphere in the stadium is going to be different. I think it's going to be tight, but... You know, just because Dallas is the home team and they will have that, you know, extra level of support and energy, I think they, they move forward. If this was a, a so extra a curriculum game for a lot of reason why FC Dallas yes. is going to win the game, not because yes. of what's going to happen on the field. Okay. No, right. no. Andrea. On the field, on the field with Messi and Busquets, I think Inter Miami could be better, but I think the, the elements around will just take Dallas a step ahead. Andrea, I just wanted to be crystal clear. Who are you predicting to win Sunday's game? They're going to penalties. I'm not predicting penalties. <laughs> so you're, pre you're predicting a draw? Yeah, I predict that they, they could draw. Yes. In a, in a tight, with goals. Let me say that. With goals. They are both going three, to 3-3. 4-4. Three. 4-4. Four, 3-3. Four. Four, four, three, three, two, two. They're Messi going with to the score goals. Messi with the hat-trick, but the Pirata del Caribe also with a hat-trick. I think, I think Andrea, Andrea, I'm picking on you, but I think you backtracked a little bit because you started no, by saying, no. oh, it's locked down with the Galaxy, they scored four, but they gave up five. That's that's where you started with it. Now you're saying, oh, two, two. They're no, but play. because I, you were saying that, you <laughs> wanted me to say that Inter Miami is going to win. I don't think they're going to win in 90 okay, minutes. I, I think they win. I think they win in 90 minutes. Uh, I don't think they will. 3-1, 4-2, they're scoring goals in this game. Dallas will score. I've said that from the beginning. But I think it's your Miami's winning this one. Against a higher level opposition, I think you could see a more of a challenge. I just don't see FC Dallas giving them that challenge. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll talk about it next week. Simon, you said in your Miami. Do you want to throw out a prediction or? Yeah, I, I think, think you're uh, ready. I agree. Score, I agree. Score, it could be a high scoring game. 3-2 um, to Inter Miami. 
Oh, with a, a last minute goal from 20 yards by Bahamian Kramaski. <laughs> <laughs> very nice, very nice, very nice. All right, well, Len, I think we've touched on almost everything. By the way, did Jordi Alba start in this game? Very quickly. No. Andrea? Maybe. No, Allen didn't make enough, I think, for him to start another game. I think it's not about no Allen, whether Jordi Alba starts. I think it's about Jordi Alba being ready to play full 90 minutes. If he's ready, sorry I don't think Noah, he's ready, but, but he, can, he can come and can get out by the sixth. Yeah, five days. subs nowadays, Jose. It's not three subs yeah. anymore. It's five subs. Yeah. You can start and take him off with 50 or 60. Uh, yes. Simon, does Jordi Alba start on Sunday? Yes. I say yes. Mm-hmm. I say yes. And then he gets subbed off when he when he fades and he gets tired, which will happen naturally. All right. But then that does it for the second show of the week here. I think it was a little bit better than the first. We've gotten some some more of a, uh, a hand on things. You know, we we're figuring things out here. Still got some things to figure out because we were trying to get your comments um, in here. But uh, it was messing up with the images of the four of us. So we'll work on that as well. Um, stick with us as we get through all of this and figure it all out. So uh, anything else you guys want to share? Any final thoughts? We, we always do that with the podcast. I don't know if we'll keep it for the show, but since this is the first time the four of us are on, you have a shot to say a final thought uh, about Inner Miami, about anything. We'll start with Simon. Oh, wow. Um, no, I don't. I don't. I don't really have a final thought. No. Okay. Andrea, you always have a final thought. Well, my final thought for today is to remind people that you're going to keep getting international soccer in Drive Pink Stadium. Don't forget that the best team in the world is playing on September 3rd against Guatemala. And I mean the best team in the world, Honduras, uh, even though Franco doesn't accept that. But yes, Honduras is playing and hopefully people from Inter Miami can get there to support. Maybe they call up the Iris. So it's going to be exciting to see. Jose, anything from you? No final thought from Jose. All right. So then that does it for me. I won't. I don't have a final thought. I've shared a whole bunch here. I'm very curious to see how Sunday plays out. Look forward to discussing it with you guys further next week. So we will return early part of next week. I'm sure. Not sure what day yet. We're still figuring Wait, it out. Wait, I have a final thought. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Okay, go I, ahead. No, I just, I, I just want to go through the list of comments and thank everybody. Broward, Heron, Tank721, J-Dog, everybody that sent out a comment, thank you. Vinny, That's my final comment. Vinny was Vinny, commenting. Uh, who else? Yeah. I mean, everybody. Only in. Jose and Franco can see the comments, just for everyone. Don't think that Simon and I are on yes, Mother true. F's, but we can't. Yeah, <laughs> kind of <laughs> DWA Universe also. Mother F. Andrea says, Mother F. You know when the podcast first started, uh, Eric Krakauer and I, um, we, we used to jokingly say that the listeners were called MTFers for Miami Total Football Radio, um, which kind of could translate to something else if you really wanted it to. So funny uh, callback there, Andrea. But anyway, all right. That does it for the show. We'll be back again early next week to recap, rewind, and analyze Inter-Miami's match versus FC Dallas, the round of 16 in the League's Cup. Thank you for joining us. Good night, and we'll talk to you soon.